A Court of Thorns and Roses by Sarah Mass. One thing to say, three words, four... Tamlin, that's about as close as you'll get to the satisfaction of love's true kiss with this twisted story. A Court of Thorns and Roses delightfully edges the reader, teasing you with mismatched sensations of heats shattering and bones barking. While not quite a will-they-won't-they, the story is filled with random interludes of immortal trickery. The half-frozen mud kicking the cave floor seeped into my tunic as my knees screamed in pain when they hit the floor. And other words of absolute nonsense are speckled throughout the story, bloating the word count beyond what is reasonably needed. What would have been a nice five- to six-hour romance story lost all charm within the first five minutes. While hunting in the woods, she unstrung her bow before easing off the tree. Seriously? Never unstring your bow until you're done hunting. Traveling back to the cabin is not the end of the hunt. As proof of this overlooked concept, Feyre is still hunting at the brook, with the tip of her bow digging into the ground. Bows don't have tips. Perhaps the author meant she unnotched her arrow before climbing down the tree. Listen, if you're not willing to do the five minutes of research into the nomenclature of a bow and arrow in order to maintain the accuracy of the opening scene of your whole series, please stop writing. The opening scene is meant to grab you and force you to read more. Instead, the author spends an extra ten hours trying to reel the reader back in after a botched opening scene. But instead of correcting the error during the editing process, the author doubles down. While faced with the decision between killing a giant fairy wolf and not eating dinner, Feyre only has three arrows. But she has a hunting knife in the woods with the knowledge of trap and snare making. An arrow is nothing but a sharpened stick. If you ever find yourself stuck in the forest, surrounded by wood, sharpen some sticks and fill your quiver. 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 Now there's a word that was never used in the entire romantic story of an illiterate hunter with the vocabulary worthy of the High Queen's Court. Why do y'all make me read this drivel? But that is what y'all want, to torment me like Amaranthia torments Feyre. Reading this book is an impossible task that somehow got accomplished. Speaking of being held in captivity, all during her faux captivity at the spring court, Feyre is lashing out in fear, unable to accept help for her shortcomings. There's a drinking game, one shot per shortcoming. Let's take a pause here. From a guy's perspective, the author wrote the character trait of wounded anxiety very well. Feyre is constantly anxious and quick to jump to defend her weaknesses. Here's what I think is happening in Feyre's head. He's obviously superior to me, and I have to prove myself by lashing out. While we're taking a break from the story, I'd like to speak to the girls real quick on this one. Mostly because the guys are unable to alter their behavior. Gals, the guys will only show you their strengths. Would you date a guy who is constantly failing to do things? The guys have been doing that one trick for years before he met you. It doesn't mean that he's superior. It means that he's practiced. If he's offering to help you, it's not because you're inferior. It's because when people of any gender work together, the job gets done better and faster. If he helps you do something and it turns out awesome, it's not because he's good at it, but because y'all became a team. Don't believe me? Try helping him out with something you see him doing. It will turn out better than if you had done it yourself. When you do, don't hold it over him. He doesn't hold it over you. Teamwork makes the dream work, and DreamWorks makes the movies. All of that is to say, 
Feyre was written correctly. She's quick to assume that everyone is out to get her and that any potential love interests are just trying to denigrate her. Even after she has passed the point of comfortable silence in their relationship, she still refers to herself as a useless human. I believe that Lucian and Tamron are simply trying to present her with their best abilities and not trying to constantly find a way to ridicule her. But that's not how women think. So kudos to the author on that one. Speaking on the matter of Lucian, fuck that dude! We've never lied to hurt you. Fuck you, dude. You sent her out to capture a surreal, and you told her that you would be patrolling the western side. Yet you didn't go on patrol, did you? You sent that girl out there to die with nothing but a few arrows and a knife. At least you had the consciousness to slouch when she came in for dinner alive. Sorry, dude. You feeling forlorn that you couldn't kill the High Lord's consort? Speaking of High Lord's consorts... I get the feeling that the blessed from the marketplace are actually just sex tourists or human traffickers. They know the benevolence of the Fae because they get a free meal for being naked for a night. The Fae will only show their true benevolence by not killing the blessed if they would become recruiters for more girls so that some of the more feral courts could have a night of fun. The whole thing smells like Jeffrey Epstein was the High Lord of the Night Court. Amazon has over 6,000 reviews with an average of 4.5 stars. I would agree. I found myself caring about the characters. I wanted Feyre to say I love you as she was sent away from the spring court. I wanted Feyre to instantly realize that love was the slowest death a human being can contract. But if Feyre suddenly discovered what love is, there wouldn't be six to eight books in the series. Maybe I'm just being a male chauvinist speciesist, but I don't care which fairy falls in love with Feyre. The human lifespan is so short compared to the fairies. Toying with human love would be like cooking breakfast for the one-night stand. They might care, but 50 years of affection is still just a fleeting thought. Yeah, even Tamlin's affection is fleeting, and the only person getting screwed over in this book is Feyre. She should have taken those trunks of gold and jewels and traveled far away from the wall. That's exactly what any of the fairy characters would have done. But then again, the author got another seven-ish book deals out of this. The final payoff comes as both Feyre and Tamlin are dying. Love has been the answer to the riddle this whole time. Whoa, who would have thought? I don't believe Feyre would have figured that out. She was given three well-crafted ash daggers, perfect for flinging across a throne room into the makeshift queen's heart. After all, aiming is the difference between eating and not. Feyre couldn't figure out that she was the most deadly person in the room when she was holding an ash dagger. And yet... She was too focused on saving her savior to actually rise to the level of a truly independent heroine. Sure, she has courage, instinct, motive, and maybe love, but she never takes command of the situation. Everything she does is a calculated reaction. No actions were taken towards the fulfillment of her own plans. Yet here we are talking about fictional characters as if they are real, and that's what makes a good book. People are not perfect and a well-written fictional character shouldn't know exactly what to do in every situation. As much as I would like to complain about the author's inability to research the anatomy of a bow and arrow, she has made me feel emotions for a person that doesn't exist. Even if a reader hates the main character, it's that emotional reaction that separates a good book from a smutty story. Sure, A Court of Thorns and Roses is longer than it needs to be, and I think the author was trying to intentionally write a character that didn't have the answers. It's that reliance on abstinence from perfection that causes Feyre to be a reactionary character and not the hero. Now, 
I need to speak to the entire internet for a second. A Court of Thorns and Roses is not fairy porn. You want this to be fairy porn? Okay. There came a young buck from Pyrithian who bit a human in her shoulder region. She should ask for his dick to suck and lick, but she settles for the rhythm of Lucian. Or how about... Quiver! It's nice to have and do. An arrow in the quiver makes a young girl's heat quiver if that arrow is made of flesh. Now that's proper fairy porn. If you disagree with me, please don't hesitate to tell the besties. The besties are also trying to decide what exclusive content to provide for their upcoming Patreon. If you've enjoyed this commercial, or if you don't want to torment a simple editor with future book reviews, please tell the besties to set me free from under the mountain at bookbestiespod at gmail.com. If you have any other ideas for how the besties can monetize this situation, please tell them. No, seriously, they're considering making me do commercial spots, and I don't want them resorting to an OnlyFans page. Speaking of OnlyFans, I'm going to leave you with some purely male thoughts. If you went swimming in a pond of pure starlight, would you pee in that pond, or would you hold it? Use hashtag peeing in starlight to our TikTok and Instagram accounts. Thank you for listening to this critical review of A Court of Thorns and Roses by Sarah Moss, with your editor, Thomas Watkins. The music is Sleep Sweetly by Prigida. Until next time, enjoy the rest of your fairy edging.